Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Beauty Archeo, your very own comedic fashion history shady podcast. We are broadcasting live on full service radio here at the Line Hotel in D.C. I am your host, Professor Noir, and I have a very special guest. I always love to have a friend come over and have tea and coffee with me and talk about fashion and I'm moving things around right now so you guys might hear a weird sound that's me adjusting the headphones um but I have a very special guest he's a dear friend of mine I would consider him a creative director an artistic director um he has worked in many avenues but all centering in the arts and creating community and fostering spaces for knowledge and social interaction. Um, give it up for Yosef Palermo, everyone. Oh, hello, hello. Thank you. Give it up to you and thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Welcome. I'm really excited to have you. Um, you know, this podcast is, this is the second episode. This is a huge deal for me because I get to spend 45 minutes talking about the things that I love, which is history, number one, um, the arts, um, and then fashion more than anything. So, you know, this is having you here as well, like my good friend and like one of my best friends is a really big deal. And yeah, I'm just excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm like rambling a lot. Oh my gosh. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Give me one second. Let me adjust my chair. Because I'm sitting all funny and crazy right now. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so there's a lot of news happening. A lot of news. There's always news happening. I mean, we live in D.C. Number one, so there's always like crazy political drama. I don't even want to talk about the political drama right now because it's really just drama. Um, there are some things I do want to talk about. Number one, some like really okay. I want to go from the from the bad to the good instead of like the. The, from the good to the bad. We're gonna go from the bad to the good. Sounds good. Um, so my dear friends, who I'm about to like text right now and tell them to get their dirty butts online and listen to my podcast right now. So uh, listen to my podcast, girls. Um, they woke me up this morning talking about <laughs> talking about leaving Neverland, the Michael Jackson mm. documentary. Mm. Let me put my tea down. Well, <laughs> I know seriously because it's about to spill. <laughs> Um, I did not want to watch it. I was really trying to stay away from it. I was, I was just nervous just because, you know, everyone has a different, like, um, relationship with Michael Jackson, his music, who he was as a person, who was as a star. I, myself, as a performer, have, you know, I was never one of those people that was like a diehard Michael Jackson fan, not until I became an adult. And I really understood the genius of his work. So, you know, you yeah. know, you get yeah. it, you get it. Yeah. But I got 30 minutes into this documentary and I need a biohazard shower. Like this is, this is, oh my God. Like I was talking to someone else earlier before I came in here and they're like, what'd you think of it? I was like, 
it's like all the details of an SVU episode that you mm. really don't want. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you hear about the crime and you're just like, how could anyone do that? But you can't actually imagine it. But then when you hear the victim, a grown man, talk, one of them was like a famous choreographer of like us growing up, Britney yeah, yeah. Spears, Wade like Robson, Ray Robson, like, yeah. which I never even realized. And like, I remember him being that little boy that like danced in his concerts and this other guy, Jimmy, that danced in his concert. I remember that shit. And never understanding that like Michael Jackson had a full on adult relationship so, and, oh. but it was also in everybody's faces it and was, this was a guy who was yeah. out at night at like Studio 54 or whatever parties premieres uh, with kids with boys yeah yeah and it was in everyone's faces and it goes back into and it's funny because like I'm pretty sure you're listening to this right now and you're like why are they going into Michael Jackson and like his crazy life and the reason why I'm talking about this is because, one, this is part of what's going on right now. This is part of history. But Michael Jackson is an icon of fashion. It's mm, true. He's a fashion I- icon for so many different reasons, especially, and I think we lest we forget this, for young black males. Mm-hmm. Like, the Jackson 5s broke the glass ceiling for young black males to not be seen as criminals but be seen in a light and yes it was through the context of performance and there was a little bit of shucking a lot of bit of shuck and jive in the creating of their career but that was a huge deal and you know if it wasn't for michael there are a lot of performers i mean like new edition would have never have happened you know for like the jackson fives like things like that would have never have happened they would have never we have never have seen this happen and so the fact that it's like my friends and some of them are artists some of them are um just art lovers or something like that some of them are curators and there we're all having this discussion right now of can we cancel him you know what i mean like we're in a cancel culture. Some of it's really on point. Some of it's a little bit hysteric, but we know that. But it's, can we really separate the man from the work? Because the man is a predator. And it is, ooh. <laughs> and, and I think this is, this is what we, as the people who define a culture, this is our moment to like, make this determination. Like, what exactly. do we do? What yeah. do we do here? Um, and so, yeah, it'll be it'll be curious to see where this goes. I mean, like you are an art curator. I mean, you've worked. You're an artist yourself as well, and you've also curated so many artists. How do you, I mean, like, what do you think? You know, what I mean, like, how do you feel? Like, can you separate the art from the man? Like, um, I think that that's a really complicated question to begin to answer. I think that the man is required to create the art. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that with Kanye comes to mind, for example, uh, there was a lot of discussion around him and this very question, can you separate the art from the artist? Um, I, I think in that respect, I, I'm able to, to some degree with Kanye. Like, I do think that he has a musical talent. I think that he understands the culture yeah, um, exactly. and how to like work within that and move that in whatever way he can as an artist. Um, and he's not a predator. <laughs> and he's not a predator, but you, you know, know, like R. Kelly. Oh, I mean like, and this is like, you know, you talk about R. Kelly and it's just like, that's, <laughs> I mean, his interview with Gail, you know, like him just really flipping out in the way he did and even seeing the R. Kelly, you know, series and seeing, you know, 
what these victims were going through and just seeing it like some of it was even just like unedited footage of this happening you're just like yeah yeah. And at the same time, sadly, this is it's a it's a culture that is fostered because this is stuff that's happening blatantly. There are many people involved in this. You know, there are a lot of the times they are brought victims to these people, like to major celebrities or people in power. And it's fine because it's also not just people in power. This is just a this is people wanting and associating power with a very very gross way of like projecting it I guess yeah. I'm losing my words but this is not just people in power there are many victims who are not just being victimized by celebrity and things like that so let's not forget that as well that's right exactly let's not forget that but let's go also I, I want to get out of this subject I just had to get this off my chest you guys I mean I'm telling you I was 30 minutes in I had to turn it off I had already taken a shower face masked down face masked another time turn this on <laughs> Because I was like, I'll try to do this. And when I... I don't know what these girls are doing right now. I'm, we're in a glass box, people, at the Lion Hotel. And there are two lovely women who are just photographing the shit out of this dog right now. And they're having the most wholesome moment while we're getting so dark. And Dan Robert is wearing some really nice jeans. Wearing some <laughs> really nice jeans. Look at that dancer booty. I love this glass box. Yeah. I love this glass box. It's... It's, yeah, it's amazing. Thank you. Like, that was a great segue and subject. Like, change the subject. <laughs> Thank you, ladies with the dog and Dan Robert's booty. And he's going to listen to this later and be like, no, they did not. <laughs> um, but um, on a lighter note, there are some really, really amazing things that did happen. Oh, well, there is one last sad thing. Hmm. Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Okay. May he rest in peace. Okay. And, like, taken too soon wasn't young he was 52 let's not be crazy (laughs) that's Gen X but it's yeah he certainly wasn't that old no he wasn't old but taken too soon yeah yeah you know what I mean like he was still on Riverdale you know he was I think I think he was killed off on Riverdale but he was doing his thing on the CW yeah I will always love the CW I've stuck I've stuck with you since the WBCW WB and that frog I want you guys to know that that fucking frog man um it's that Geico that Geico little lizard he took over Um, (laughs) he bought out the frog um but yeah luke perry passed away and so sad dylan mckay dylan mckay dylan mckay style mckay and that hair style icon of the 90s and that's you know what that's really interesting you want to talk about fashion history also um dylan mckay if we lest we forget dylan mckay represented a period of a style trend of the 90s absolutely that there are a lot of men that um and women that um, kind of adhere to it, but forget the the trajectory of that. So it's this revival greaser like style mixed with like pieces from the '90s. A lot of like vintage leather jackets that you can get in the '50s and the '60s. You know, mixed with like the jeans and the denim, like Calvin Klein denim and a Calvin Klein T-shirt, right, right, and right. like just the right you know like boot that you can wear. It was in. designer Americana. It was very much so designer Americana, which yeah. you know greaser '50s is like very much so iconic America. It's iconic American, and Dylan McKay was, I mean, he was like the icon for that. He was like the symbol of that on like network television. Yeah. And damn, Luke Perry. I know, and if you think like at least I do when. 
broader culturally of that moment. You also had Madonna in her like Marilyn Monroe phase. Yes. So there was like this kind of like fifties post-war. Yes. And, and it's interesting because after that you go into the mid nineties, like 94, 95, 96, which is also a recall of that. So Chanel had their collection in 95, which then um, Clueless ended up wearing a lot of that with Elisa Silverstone mm-hmm. and Stacey Dash. God rest her, God rest her career and her <laughs> reputation. Um, pour one out for her career. You know, pour, pour one out for <laughs> Stacey Dash's reputation. Um, but um, so you had that also revival of like the frilly, puffy sweaters and the pom-poms and the poodle, but instead of doing the wide, big skirts, they made them into the baby doll skirt. Mm -hmm, You know, and mm -hmm, then into, like, the micro mini mm -hmm, that was in, like, the candy, cotton candy colors. And the bringing back of the Mary Janes, but gave it, like, a four-inch heel. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Oh. I think, like, Riot Girls kind of did a lot of that, like, appropriating of that, like, baby doll kind of, like... Yes. Very much so. Very much so. And... That is an episode that I definitely want to do, like, go into some pinup stuff. Go into some pinup. But also speaking of another fashion revival moment, and, you know, something really, really fun and exciting, and this is some really good news on fashion history, um, uh, Tommy Hilfiger, with his collaboration with Zenday mm. during Fashion Week mm. for their capsule mm. collection, Tommy, Tommy Time Zenday, had a mahogany-themed fashion show. Mm. And mahogany, for those of you who don't know, is an iconic cult fashion movie starring Diana Ross as a goddess among models in Italy in the 1970s. And a lot of people don't know this about this movie, but Diana Ross wanted to be a fashion designer. I didn't know that. And she and Bob Mackie collaborated, similar to how Tommy Hilfiger in Today collaborated, on the costuming for Mahogany. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So in Mahogany, uh, Madonna, or Madonna, Diana Ross plays, I really hope I didn't say Madonna earlier. Please hope I didn't say that. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Diana Ross plays um, a young woman in Chicago in the 1970s, you know, well after the riots. um, And she wants to be a fashion designer and works at a department store. She's discovered by a photographer who is played by, I cannot remember this actor's name, but it's the same guy who played... um, who played uh, what's his face in Psycho, the main character? Norman Bates. Yes, Norman Bates. Yeah. It's that. It's that actor, really famous. So he plays. He plays the photographer. And you have a computer out. Look it oh. up. That's <laughs> like. That's true. <laughs> Let's find out this name before we get off. We have to go to break. Ac- I'm googling the actor who plays Norman Bates. Yes. Okay. And um, he plays this really crazy photographer that becomes obsessed with models, and he gives them all like flower names or names of like nature. And he um, gives her the name Mahogany for her brown skin. And she represents what was going on in fashion at the time of more women of color entering the fashion perspective and entering the runways. And so um, Tommy Hilfiger's collection was based on a lot of this movie and a lot of the image. Freddie Highmore? Freddie Highmore. That's the name? That's That's what it's saying. That's your final answer? It's Google's final answer. (laughs) It's Google's final answer, Freddie Highmore. Um, wait, wait, wait. This is from was, a show called Bates Motel in 2013. Yeah, that sounds like that doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep looking. Um, I'll keep talking about Tommy Hilfiger. But so this collection was absolutely fabulous. And I um, encourage everyone to look at it. Go on Vogue.com. Um, the entire um, cast was all black models of every shade, even albino. It was beautiful. 
Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Anthony that's Perkins. who it is. I was like, Freddie Highmore does not sound right. <laughs> Anthony Perkins. Whoa. We're going to get a lot of angry messages on the Facebook group, The Beauty RKO. Follow it. Um, and, but the collection was beautiful. Um, it was in a, a Paris theater, and Grace Jones closed it. She At closed 70 it. years old, Shut Grace Jones comes out in a Shut gold bodysuit, knee-high um, oxblood. 70 where? Yeah, I know, right? Knee-high oxblood leather, like stiletto boots. And this like striped sequin fitted to the nines. Can we blazer. tell the children about your knee highs, by the way? My knee highs. Oh, I didn't talk. We are. It's, it's so funny. Like I wear all black all the time, everyone. And so when guests come, I guess they think they should wear all black. It's the second guest. I've only had two guests now. Um, who has worn all black? And I'm going to describe your outfit. You are wearing a mesh. I'm jumping all over subjects right now, but we're going to go with this. You're wearing a mesh, a mesh button down top with a ruffled like a ruffled front like tuxedo ruffle really beautiful see-through mesh and then these black like gorgeous nice cigarette trousers and then i am wearing a lot of layers because it's cold it's cold i'm wearing a cat suit with a very deep v yes you are i'm just wearing a black sweater over the cat suit because i haven't taken it off because she's modest because i'm modest right now and i'm wearing these like sneaker boots i was really into thigh-high sneaker boots and chanel did them once in a grocery store collection, but I can't sh- afford Chanel sneaker boots until I get more sponsors. And, <laughs> and so I got these on oh Amazon, and they're this. really cute. They're very, I wore these for our subject today, which we will go into after the break because we need to go to the break really quickly. Okay. <laughs> Hey, we are back. We are back. That music was sexy, girl. Very. That music was... I like that. That's some baby-making music. <laughs> well, friends, we are here. Class, we are here. Professor Noir here to talk about fashion history. And, you know, I had my, my special guest, Yosef Palermo, and I was asking him about... He, I was like, I want to have you on the show. You know, you want to come on this week? And he's like, sure. And I was like, what should we talk about? And he was just like, you know, I'm really interested in the fashion that's happening in um, Georgia, in Georgian fashion, and especially... Tbilisi. Tbilisi. Capital. Capital. Not, the, not American Georgia. No, no, not American Georgia. Former Soviet Republic of... Former Soviet Republic, the real Caucasians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> get it right, real, right. get it right, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> they are the real Caucasians. Okay, um, but they, um, but 
you know, you were, and I, I, I already agreed with you, I understood this as well, because I've been watching this. Um, Tbilisi, they have been having an explosion in the fashion industry out of a lot of political turmoil, social change, and you said to me, it really reminds me of what was happening in post-punk Berlin, in like 1980s Berlin, Absolutely. you know, the fall of the wall in Berlin. Absolutely. And I was like, why don't we do a show about that? Yeah. You know, like yeah. why, I have enough friends that have gone to Bergheim and lived to yeah. tell the tale. <laughs> Let's fucking talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Let me open up my iPad here because I'm a millennial. So I'm going to read this little excerpt. Um, it's from an excerpt from um, Ilsa Rupert's new book. Well, was a new book. It's called Arts, Artists, and Tribes, and it was published back in 2017. Um, I found it in my research um, on Vice, vice.com. They do... I really love Vice for what they do. They do a lot of cultural, re- yeah. like, amazing work and um, reporting. Um, and this is what one of the excerpts. What happens when you cross-pollinate British punk and new wave with a divided 1980s Berlin? New German wave. Or in or in DW is what happens. This energetic DIY movement spawned the scrap metal industrial noise of post-punk, proto-electro, NDW, typified by the harsh darkness. This is one that whole opening was just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl. Okay, um, let's get into it. I mean. Yeah. 1980s Berlin, I was actually watching a couple... I love to go on YouTube and look at a lot of like archival footage, um, especially when I'm researching history and fashion history and fashion in general. I like to know what was going on mm-hmm. in that time when items were created, when styles were created and trends were created. Mm-hmm. And I did some, um, which I will post on the group, on the Facebook group, The Beauty Archeo. So please follow it. Please join it. Um, I love that group. I love posting on it. I post on it quite often. A lot of just like nerdy fashion and really fun stuff. Um, but I found some archival footage of someone taking a video of driving through both East Berlin and West Berlin mm-hmm. in 1982. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see. There was, it, was a very, it was a slight change to a certain degree, but definitely a very, a, a very real change. And East Berlin, where it was, you know, very strict Russian communism... Yeah, we oui. no, we oui, no. <laughs> um, Soviet, technically. Soviet, Soviet, yeah, yeah t- Soviet. Um, that's why I was just like, I'm saying this wrong because I was about to say I was like saying Russian. I'm looking at you and like I'm about to say but something it's wrong. Basically the same. same thing. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but Soviet communism. So it's a much more strict um, regime and republic, and um, the restrictions for people to even be mobile about day to day life was something very real living in East Berlin. In West Berlin, you didn't have that restriction, but you had the ruins of the last two world wars and never coming out of that. Right, right. And it's um, in a uh, um, earlier, an article I found, um, someone was writing about um, West Berlin after the war and uh, West Berlin kind of like in the 60s and the 70s. And they were just talking about how there was this like, Desire and the scramble for developers to come in and make these like amazing, you know, neighborhoods and developments and revitalize and recreate Berlin and make it something that had never been before. But instead, after what had happened, after what had perspired, people, there was not necessarily all people, but there was an appreciation for the grit mm-hmm. and the darkness mm-hmm. and, um, 
the decay that had become Berlin and the, the, the look of Berlin. Yeah. And I hope no one in Berlin right now is listening to this and it comes from me, but please <laughs> send me any tidbits you want to talk about because I'll talk about them later. I love to know more information. I'm just talking about my impressions and what I've gotten from the research. Yeah. Uh, I am not a licensed therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just to kind of add my impressions on top of that, I feel like the Germans as a people are typically very orderly socially yeah. and... Um, you know, like everything is put together and looks proper and is cleaned up. Yes. And, uh, you know, to see that kind of the counterculture of that yeah. to be the kind of gritty, kind of grimy um, punk aesthetic, I think is, is pretty fascinating and, and fun. Yes. Oh, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I loved, in my research, I love seeing um, a lot of the pictures of what was going on in 1980s Berlin. And I sent some of them to you. Um, One of them is, again, this will be available on the Instagram, The Beauty RKO. Um, One is of two performance artists, Chris Dreer and Steve Reeves, in the window at... um, Oriani. Oriani, sorry. (laughs) Oriani Bar and Kreutzberg. And Kreutzberg was a very hot district for artists, for the Bohemians in the 80s and the 70s. Um, You're talking about Kreuzberg? Kreuzberg, sorry. Yeah, yeah um, it's, still, it's still kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, I know, it definitely has that tradition. We'll yeah. always have that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, I would say, like, out of most places where an arts industry or an arts neighborhood and community sparked up, where then yeah. it's taken over immediately by development, it's right. definitely tried, held true yeah, exactly. to its identity. And some of the most amazing artists were coming out of there and performance artists, music lots and lots and lots of music yeah. and it was this need to express and a need to rebel against what I would imagine um, what I would imagine to be a moment of feeling restricted yeah yeah absolutely it's that creative expression to rebel you know um, I think of bands like Kraftwerk that came out, you know, and... And it's so funny, too, when you said, like, bands like Kraftwerk, because I was thinking about the music as you just started talking, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. But I think about bands like Kraftwerk as well, and I think about their music, to me, is not angry, hmm. you know? So there is, there's a beauty, and there's a softness, and there's a... a I don't, I don't want to say whimsy, but for lack of a better phrase, it's a whimsy mm-hmm. in their sound. And yet, it is the music of go, raging against the machine, basically. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, totally. The Kraftwerk songs are talking about, like, you know, Deutsche Bank and yeah. Interpol. And, yeah. Yeah, but, I, but then also you hear the sound yeah. on top of the words. Yeah, absolutely. And the sound is something that kind of, like, floats you into a new totally. perspective. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it entrances you yeah. into a new perspective. Yeah. And it entrances you into a feeling of, of fight yeah. and of grit and of strength. Um, you actually, you were in Berlin, mm-hmm. were you not? You were yeah. in Berlin. What a couple did, times, yeah. Yeah, what did you think? Because I, I would love to know. Like, Yeah, so the... Because the... we're talking about right now, I mean, we're talking about a lot of things, but just really going back into the, the whole look and feel of Berlin and what it held on to yeah. after all of this after all of this turmoil 
Yeah, I think East Berlin is still... So, like, Berlin in general, just to remind people, was very much an occupied city post-war. Um, and you had different uh, powers that controlled it. And the West, in particular, was walled off completely yeah. at one point. And um, because of that, you had a lot of prosperity in the West because the Western powers wanted to use it as this kind of, like, shining city on a hill, uh, you know. Um, and then... So all surrounding that, you had East Berlin, what was controlled by the Soviets, and um, just had a very, very different quality of life. It was much poorer and just didn't have a lot of infrastructure for people. Um, so when the wall came down, you had this... I'm shaking my head um, yes to him because I'm listening and like just... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm just doing this for like the baby millennials and, you know. Who yeah, really please. Know the, the I love when people give context. Yeah. I hate giving context. We're I here like just for the getting... history, right? I'm here for the tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, after that, you had all of this like land in East Berlin that, that basically became available. And that was where a lot of artists kind of were able to go and have still been able to go just by virtue of how big Berlin is in terms of landmass. Um, so places like Kreuzberg, Prenzlauerberg, um, you know, are, it's still relatively pretty cheap to live there. Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the West side, you have like Nolendorfplatz, which is like the old neighborhood, um, that is, you know, pretty expensive now. Yeah. And (laughs) sorry, I like just lost, I was like listening to you and I just lost my point. So I was going to like make a point about Kreuzberg and I completely lost my point. (laughs) So shit. If you say your ABCs in your head, sometimes it comes back. <laughs> ABC. <laughs> um, I also want to jump into um, some of like the artists, the music that came out of this. Um, going back to that original, well, going back to the idea of expression and raging against this restriction. Actually, that was my point. So um, we were talking about this wall, having the West walled off. Um, We right now are still in this really ridiculous debate in this country about, you Mm. know, building a fucking Mm. wall. Yeah. I I saw this archival footage before I came here because I just wanted to watch a little bit more, just to get inspiration. And it was the one that I was telling you when I first opened this about, you know, them driving through both East and West Berlin in 1982. Mm And them driving along the wall mm. and for about like 30 seconds. And it was just like very David Land's piano music, you know, like the kind of piano music you hear at like a funeral home, like in the waiting room, <laughs> like kind of music. And um, so it's like very like benign and flowery kind of music. And they're driving along this wall. And I'm like, none of this is okay. None of this feels okay. I feel restricted you know Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of oh sorry i'm going back (laughs) at the scratch my back um it reminds me of even when i was in israel and we went to palestine i was just thinking this i was like you and i have both been oh that trip yeah we've both been to the west bank and seeing seeing the wall i'm just like (laughs) right right i would uh, i cannot imagine how life works like that how to be cut off from humans in such an abrupt way well now we have a national emergency that you know you may be able to find out what it's like to live with a wall separating people and i do not want to yeah i do not want to um i don't think this country is in a place where we get a wall and then all of a sudden we're gonna have an artistic revolution (laughs) 
quite the opposite. Yeah. You know, quite the opposite. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> I don't want to go fully off the subject of um, post-punk Berlin. Um, so, you know, in the 1980s, you were seeing a fashion revolution happening, you know, after the 70s and the 60s. And it is that post-punk era. Um, it is that mix of the British punk, the new wave music right. that's coming out. Because a lot of industrial synth um, music, te- technologically created music, should we say, yeah. is coming out of Berlin since the seventies. Actually, it was a, one of the. It's one of the parts that created disco. Yep. Was like the German techno music, and so you have this mix happening in the eighties, and the clothes. The clothes. The clothes. The clothes. Oh my gosh! So when I when I read that quote about you know respecting the grit. And the dirt of Berlin and like what that really meant. You know, I have my ideas about what that means and, you know, I've always had my own images and stereotypes. But then to really go and start investigating into the clothes and what people wore, everyone, you guys dress like this now, just so you know. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, like, noticed that, Yosef, but when I was like, when I have some of these things here, I was just like, this looks like friends of mine that we dress like yeah, now. No, absolutely. And to know that that influence yeah. is still there. Still there, yeah. Uh, it's, and it's an influence that, again, like people are trying to rage against some kind of system. Right. Or it's a systematic oppression or restriction. Right. And you get this amalgamation of different types of styles. So one of them, um, Nina Hagen, singer. Yeah. Um, she's spraying the Iron Curtain. I want to say with beer, but she could be pissing on it. <laughs> It's a very visceral photo. Um, in this photo, she is wearing this lemon-colored like cap with a puffer co- with a puff like lemon yellow puffer coat, um, tangerine orange cigarette pants, a white T-shirt, and black like regular leather ballet flats. Completely someone that you would see on the street today. You know, some some that you would hang out with today. Um, However, this is this use of color, this this mm. um, this mix of color, this mix of styles of creating the li- the high with the low of wearing kind of like the ladylike flats with you know the 1950s cigarette pants, going into something that's more utilitarian like the puffer coat, wearing it in lemon. That was a that was a moment. Yeah, that was a huge statement. Yeah. And that photograph, she's just this pop, this burst of color with this gray wall behind her. She is a burst of color with this beautiful, with, with a, I mean, a decaying gray, yeah. you know, graffitied wall behind her. And today, you know, we look at pictures like that and we think, oh, this is normal. Oh, this is cool. You know, graffiti wall. No, this is a huge statement back Absolutely. in 1984. Absolutely. To say. And she dressed for that statement. And she dressed for that statement. Yeah. Um, further down, I gave I have another picture I found of Wolfgang Müller. He is the founder of Dijk Todlik Doris, a performance art group in Berlin. I really hope I pronounced that right. He'll <laughs> be in the face group. Facebook <laughs> yeah, like group. someone. If you know German, help me out. I'm still practicing and getting things. I don't know everything. I'm a worldly man. I consider myself, but I don't know everything. <laughs> um, the world is very big. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Um, and he's sitting. He's sitting in a cafe in a restaurant with friends and, and tight, tight leather pants and the beautiful t- with his big old beautiful 
Dan Roberge needs to borrow those pants. <laughs> Dan, borrow these pants. I think he probably has these pants, honestly. <laughs> so he has this like really great blown out mullet cut with mutton chops on the side. So His lips are so cherry red and big right now. I'm going to like lick my screen. Um, Because I love a big lip, you guys. I love a big lip. Just like one singular lip. (laughs) And, you know, cherry red lips. He's wearing, it looks like a black, is that a leather turtleneck? No, it looks like he has some kind of like lacy, like material around his neck, like a handkerchief. Yeah, okay. So like a lacy black cravat. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, lacy black cravat, a black leather jacket over that with a denim jacket like cut off into a vest over the leather jacket and then these studded wristlets and then just a cuff like full on like studded like punk rock cuffs so can we also talk about the other people at the table and what they're wearing there's a guy here who has on like suspenders over uh what looks like a knitted sweater, sweater vest. vest. Yes, an olive green sweater vest. Yeah. Looks like a denim blue. With a shirt and tie underneath with it. With a shirt and tie underneath it. And then the woman next to him is full on tit and minge. Like, right. her tits are literally out. Yeah. She is wearing what looks like a red leather jacket, driving hat, you know, Susie and the Banshee, like, new wave punk eye. So it's like red at the bottom, white at the top, blended and brushed out to the side. Yeah. And... She's like just casually drinking a beer. Yeah. And this is, but see, this is the mix that was happening. This is the mix that was happening. Yeah, and I think that's pretty unique to Berlin. And it's, that's sort of been there a long time. Like I think about uh, the Weimar Republic. Yes. And like. Which we were talking about last week with the, and that, it's so interesting that you just said, I just like, I just got chills because (laughs) it is, it is a tradition of Berlin to respect love and communicate with so many different kinds of people and just commune and commune in the same place and in the Weimar Republic you had that exact same thing happening in cafes and restaurants and in libraries and schools especially because these universities became these hubs of social interaction and then now the university is now the bars and the clubs and the nightclubs and the punk rock clubs and the underground clubs and the clubs are held and the parties are held in tunnels and the parties are held in like abandoned missile silos you know like those are now and it's interesting because you know I think that's still happening now I think that's very much so happening now one of my good friends well an old friend of mine um, we're not necessarily the best friends anymore because you don't see each other or talk like that but I still love him Um, Miss Ryan Duncan, she moved to Berlin a couple years ago and is living her best Berlin life. And every time I see pictures and everything and like also hear stories about, I have not been to Berlin yet, people, yet. But me and my brother... Which blows my mind. I know. I feel like pussy would do very well in Berlin. I mean, maybe that's the thing is I can't go to Berlin because I won't come back. (laughs) Fair. But, you know, I notice something, especially in... um, like my friends like experiences about Berlin is that you do have this exchange of ideas and cultures and and aesthetics in these clubs and the in the exchange of the exchange of aesthetics that's the interesting mm-hmm. thing and i think that's a thing that we miss a lot when it comes to fashion mm-hmm. we think of fashion as just the clothes we put on our backs mm-hmm. you know something to get through the day that we have to wear by just you know good old biblical shame or we think of it as a costume because i want to transform but we forget about its effect on others mm-hmm. and what exchange that's giving and not just oh, I want to tell people that I like to do this or I am this or I see myself 
as this, but know in fact, or more in fact, that like you're inspiring someone right. to play with their own image, to play with their identity, to explore the depths of their identity. Right. And I think that, and I, and I, I think anyone can agree that what was happening in post-punk Berlin, Germany, 1980s, is the definition of that exchange. Yeah. Very much so. So, you know, cut to the 90s, the wall, fa- the wall falls. Mauer fall. Yeah. It, it falls. It's, yeah. it's down. They get it down. And David Hasselhoff <laughs> is singing his life away. <laughs> Like can they we can we remember, like can we talk about that can we talk about that fashion moment? <laughs> David Hasselhoff, bring it up. Let's do it. Like what was he? Was it is was it acid wash denim? Was it acid wash? Hold on, S- Google find me David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff singing Berlin Wall. Come on, give it to me, Google. No, it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't the denim? It wasn't it wasn't Michael? It wasn't. Acid wash. It was actually okay. It was a light. It was a black leather jacket. Black leather jacket. A piano <laughs> printed oh scarf. Oh my god. He was really cute though back in the day. Oh, Let I miss. Him. Let me see. He was cute. What ever happened to him? Is he still alive? Is oh, he still with us? Um, I feel like I should know that, but I don't. David, actually. if you're still with us, please call. <laughs> please call in. Um, oh my God! Wait a minute. His jacket like lit up. Oh, did it light up? Look at this gif. It's got like. Oh, I think it like, did light up. Lights on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And his jacket lit up. Yes. Yeah. His jacket lit up. It was like all these lights on it. She came. And she came. And so the <laughs> and the wall falls and the celebration then starts. You know, it is. You know, the, the, the social and cultural shift was dramatic, mm. but I think was very much so needed. And I think, and I remember, because I remember I was very, very young. I was, I'm aging myself. I look good for 60. Everyone, I look good for 60. <laughs> um, I know, I know you can never tell. Um, but I was very young. So I, I was young when the wall fell, but I remember watching on the news. Mm. I remember watching people's reactions to the wall and celebrating and the celebration that was happening, you can see something very substantial was on the other side of this. You know, it wasn't just that moment, that there was something else on the other side of this. And on an artistic, cultural, fashion level, it exploded. It exploded. And you see the fashion that came out of there. So, you know, we're kind of like near the end of this little discussion about post-Berlin, post punk Berlin and like after the wall but I do want to mention a couple things um, before I I do want to mention a couple things about the results of that and so for instance so a lot of people don't know this um, but there are a lot of designers that came out of this time period did I just lose it oh no I didn't I found it oh my god I have so many notes you guys Um, there are a lot of designers that came out of Germany so um, Hugo Boss Puma Escada um, Adidas, um, Jill Sander, Marco Opolo, um, Esprit, Wonderkin. I didn't know Esprit was German. Yeah, I didn't know either. Oh. I was like, Esprit? Okay, girl. Um, but um, people like Jill Sander and Wonderkin, Wonderkin especially. Wonderkin, oh, MCM also, German. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think you can probably tell by the repetitiveness of their 
other logo. Mm. Very orderly. Mm-hmm. Mm, very German. Uh, <laughs> very Jugendstil. Um, but uh, people like Wonderkin, um, a fashion brand that I do encourage people to follow. They do very well at Fashion Week. Um, Berlin Fashion Week. You know, after the 90s and into the early 2000s, Berlin, Berlin Fashion Week was finally established. Mm-hmm. So all that creativity that had been building up in places like Kreuzberg and, um, you know, other neighborhoods and other parts of Germany finally centered itself into Berlin mm-hmm. and really, and, and really like, organized themselves into an industry. Yeah. And to this day, that industry is a leader when it comes to fashion. And what we get... So, like, everyone... All the major cities have their styles. You know, Paris has a very Paris Parisian style. It's very chic. You know, it's always it's always known as very chic. It's always just enough. Um, the Italians, colorful, bold, but beautiful tailoring, good quality, beautiful quality leathers, things like that. America, it is it's style. You know what I mean? American fashion is about style. It is about the presentation and the the mixing of different items. Germany was about construction and architecture. And that, I think, is the most amazing part about all of this that came out of Germany um, from, you know, the 19... What, 1914? All the way up to now, when Germany went through two world wars and then a whole bunch of political and social strife. Um, What I think that was really interesting was this this definition of architecture because Germans have been known for their architecture. Germany is known for its architecture and brutalism was a thing. I hate brutalism. Um, Do you want to describe brutalism really quickly to people? Are you, are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's what you would see if you go down to federal triangle here in DC, the FBI building, FBI building. (laughs) It's just a very um, brutal looking structure in in that they're, aren't a lot of windows. Um, it's a lot of concrete that's unfinished. Uh, very solid and sharp lines. Yes. Very exactly. solid and sharp lines. Or if it's or if it's round, it's very like bluntly round. Right, right. Um, very striking. And it's interesting because I would say German fashion took on a lot of those roles of brutalism. Um, when you look at collections like Wonderkin, mm. their collections are very architectural in which you have the asymmetrical skirts, then an asymmetrical top. Asymmetrical is when the things turn to the side. Um, from there, you have hoods that wrap into different pieces and different parts and into sleeves and mm. things like that. Mm. And so, you know, German fashion at this point now has really taken on a role that has, I would say, has led the country and led the identity of Germany into a more modern era, which I'm very excited about, but also has always harkened back and always paid homage to the amount of work they had to do as a country to become the people that they are now. I know that was a really big statement. That well, was a really it's, big... <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because where they are headed now is actually maybe like everywhere else, a little more conservative, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a lot more conservative uh, in terms of like the backlash to Merkel and what she's done with immigration, especially post Syria. You know what? I'm going to... And let me retract my statement because I, I forget about that. I am only thinking about the fashion. Well, no, no. But I, I think that there could be something said that maybe there's going to be like a counterculture to that 
shift to you know conservatism. I th- but I think that's that's happening now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's from my perspective. Like what I get from Berlin, Germany, especially when people talk to me about it, or what I see and like what I, I try to immerse myself in, is that that counterculture is very present, very much so making a statement, not letting it go, and not trying to go, and not bending down yeah. and backing down. Yeah. So while there is a growing sense of like that old school, very vulgar nationalism, the culture itself, that counterculture is very strong. Yeah. It's very, very strong. Um, this also started because um, Tbilisi in the Georgian Republic are very much so going through the same thing right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where out of a lot of political turmoil and social turmoil, culturally and artistically have placed themselves on the map since Absolutely. I want to say 2007? That sounds about right. Yeah, since um, 2007. Yeah. They put themselves on yeah. the map. Yeah. Their second fashion week, if I'm not mistaken, was literally put on the fashion map. It's Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And that's the it's, calendar you want to be on, people. Yeah, DC yeah. Fashion Week. <laughs> that's the only calendar that matters. Yeah. Um, like that is that They got on that calendar by their second fashion week. That is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, because they the creativity that exploded out of there is very similar to Germany, where it's this amalgamation of industrial and um, pre-war and techno and futuristic and a little bit folkloric. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, But we have to, we have to pause, we have to go. We have to go. Do you want to go? I don't want to go, but we have to go. go. Alexia, let us stay. Let us stay. (laughs) Let us stay. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Beauty Archeo. This is your comedy, shady, fashion history podcast. Didn't get too shady today, which I was okay with. It was more, you know, unpacking some information today and having just nerding out on just some punk fashion. But come back. We're here every week, Fridays at 1 p.m., full service radio. Have a good rest of your day, everyone. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.